It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast. Ben standing here talking to you guys uh, on a Tuesday night. The World Series game six is over. We get a game seven tomorrow, Wednesday, but come on, we all know what the big game of the day is. Wizards hosting the Phoenix Suns. Yes, that is right. Wizards back in town. They get the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday, but before that matchup, it's all about the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to talk about a little bit about that matchup, but also some news today on the Wizards front involving Marquise Morris, Chris McCullough, and uh, some other tidbits around the NBA. So we'll get into all that here in just a second on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. As a reminder, uh, we have switched hosting companies, I guess. We are no longer with Audio Boom. We are now with Panoply. If those of you who do the RSS, feed or just went straight to audio boom to listen to the link uh go check out the at locked on wizards twitter page i put up new links and the new rss feed there you can also if you got any questions hit me up on twitter at ben standing or email me bstandig1 at gmail.com but otherwise subscribe on itunes or uh, stitcher or anywhere else you do your podcasting you should be all set all right let's get into some wizardy stuff here First and foremost, it appears that Marquise Morris, who, is, who has, of course, been out since he had hernia surgery on September 22nd to fix help fix his abdominal wall, he apparently will be available this week. Scott Brooks said as much. Marquise Morris said as much today at practice. So that's obviously not bad news for the Wizards. Now, he will still need to sit out one game for his one-game suspension because of because he left the bench in that uh, tussle on Friday against the Warriors. The way it seemed logical for the Wizards to set this up, if they really thought he was going to be back this week, have him ready for the Phoenix game. He sits out that, then bring him in on Friday, or, or on Friday for that sort of all-hands-on-deck situation against Cleveland. So that's probably the way this is going to play out, but we will see officially tomorrow um, whether the Wizards make him active and therefore available to be suspended. Now, the question, of course, becomes from there, who starts? Does Marquise Morris go straight back in the starting lineup? Does Kelly Oubre stay in that spot? Scott Brooks was asked about that today. He essentially said probably would go Marquise Morris. Uh, he's probably looking, I believe he said, around like a 15, 16-minute limit, perhaps. So if it, and if it was less than that, then maybe he would come off the bench. From a, just a long-term perspective, let's just eliminate sort of this short-term deal here with with coming off the injury. You stay with Marquise Morris as your starter. As I've told you guys before, I'm looking at it, for, the, for now at least, I'm looking at everything through the prism of what happens when you get to the postseason. And maybe more specifically, what does this do? What does what, this move, whatever we're discussing, what does it do when you face Cleveland? Well, Marquise Morris needs to be on the court when they're playing Cleveland because he's their best chance at 
guarding LeBron James. I didn't say stopping. I just said guarding. And look, the bottom line is also that starting lineup was really good last year. Now, as you all heard me say in the podcast uh, on Monday or Monday morning's podcast after the Kings game, I threw out a bunch of stats, some of which I also wrote about that you can find on uh, what I wrote for FanRag Sports today. I wrote uh, about four things that we sort of learned from the Wizards after six games. That lineup with Kelly Oubre in there with the other four starters has been phenomenal. It was a it was the third best net rating lineup in all all of last season for lineups with at least 200 minutes. This season, that lineup entering today, uh, meaning uh, meaning uh, Tuesday, had played the most minutes of any team in the league, any lineup in the league. But despite that, they had the best net rating of any of the top 25 lineups in terms of most minutes. So that's pretty impressive to have the most minutes and be the most uh, productive on both ends of the court. All that said, and, and this is not about Kelly Oubre, you stay with what's been working. Again, if game one, Scott Brooks decides, hey, maybe Markeith isn't totally ready yet, we want Oubre to play more, that's fine. But just from a long-term perspective, you stay with what's been working. And, you know, to be honest, I'm a little excited to see what Oubre can do now that he's showing a little more uh, consistency in his game, what he can do anchoring that second unit. It's why the, one of the things I wrote about Today, and I've talked about it here as well, that second unit, the, yes, they've blown some leads. At times, it has looked so similar to last year's uh, situation. But to me, when you fig- when you factor in that Marquise Morris, is, if it's like last year, he ends up playing one with some of the second unit, or it just simply allows another one of the starters to do it. Maybe it's Otto Porter who's been filling that role of late, plus Kelly Oubre plus a 40% three-point shooter like Jody Meeks, plus a point guard in Tim Frazier, who's got some limitations, but he can find open shooters, plus Mike Scott, who's been at least active on both ends of the court, and not even mentioning Jason Smith and Jan Mahimi. There's some options there. And, uh, you know, it, you know, we saw it with Golden State. I'm not comparing the Wizards roster to Golden State, but the Warriors always seemingly had two of their main guys on the court. Well, if... If you can, the Wizards can at least have one of those top four starters on the court. No offense to Gortat, but it's hard. I'm not viewing Gortat in that way, especially when you have Mahimi, who's going to get minutes with that second unit. Um, you know, at least one of those guys plus Ubre, if he at the level he's playing at now, that's a pretty good situation, a, a pretty good base to build from. So uh, I, I would say, don't to me, Marky Moore starting is the way to go. You move forward from there. Either way, good to have it would be good to have Marquise Morris back for the Wizards. You know he's back at the at the six week mark of that six to eight week situation. So you know hopefully there, nobody there, he's not being rushed back. Presumably he's not. He's good. To, he'll be good to go. And uh, you know that's good for the Wizards, who certainly looked pretty good all things considered. I think the Wizards looked far better this year without Marquise Morris than I think they would have a year ago. And a lot of that credit does go to Otto Porter. Uh, who, who's been pretty lights out so far this start, and Kelly Oubre. All right, uh, let's continue here on the Locked on Wizards podcast. Uh, ben Standing here. Let's talk about some news, other news today in Wizards world, this involving Chris McCullough, not somebody we talk about a ton here on the podcast. We, well, we, we, you know, look, there's only, you know, including the D-League guys, there's only 17 players on the roster. Sheldon Max out for the year, so... Really, only 16 guys we can talk about at all. The D-leaguers, we not much to say. So, 14 guys on the active roster, 
you got to get to everybody multiple times. So now we're getting back to McCullough. And what we're getting back to today is something that was certainly obvious, but the news became official. And that is the Wizards decided to not extend the, the or more to the point, to not pick up the fourth-year option for McCullough's contract. Now, this was, a again, a, a, a relative no-brainer. Uh, as a reminder, McCullough was the, I'm blanking here, but I believe he was the 29th pick in the 2015 draft. He um, he came over in the uh, deal that sent uh, that, that sent Andrew Nicholson and a first to Brooklyn. McCullough came here with Boyan Bogdanovich, and immediately from the moment the trade was made, you know, part of the pitch for the Wizards involved some form of hey, we didn't have a number one pick that you know, last year in 2016. We get we get a look at McCullough. He's essentially a number one pick. We'll see what happens. And you know, Chris McCullough was a was a potential lottery pick before he got hurt at Syracuse as a freshman. Didn't play and didn't end up playing a ton. And he didn't play a ton with Brooklyn because of the injuries. And so it was sort of a total wild card as to what he would be. But you guys heard me talk about this in Las Vegas during summer league. Just completely disappointed with what I saw. Even in a you know, even when we take the D League for as a I'm sorry uh, the summer league with many grains of salt because of the you know general level of competition. It's an opportunity for somebody of a McCullough level to, if not dominate, look pretty good. Sheldon Mack did that, for example. So, um, you know, and, and Kelly Oubre did that in his second year, Otto Porter, and so on. So Glenn Rice, of course, who obviously flamed out, but my point is he did it in that setting. McCullough did not. His shot looked not good. I'll be kind and say that. And his other parts of his game just not honed at all. And it just has not looked much better going forward to the point where I think I said at some point in the offseason, while the one point we may have looked at McCullough as a potential side benefit for the Wizards in that as, as part of that trade, he may end up looking more like a bad, uh, a bad part of the deal because, you know, while it's a shame that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich left right away, they did get the three, you know, the two months out of him and so on. McCullough, though, now they may be stuck with him and, and that roster spot, and that's kind of the way that it looks um, to, for the Wizards to now pick up this option. I mean, look, I, I, I see some spin that part of the reasoning is you've got Mike Young, Michael Young, you've got Devin Robinson, two other players who, you know, at least are sort of in that uh, three, four uh, forward range. So the Wizards, in essence, have some depth there. I don't, you know, look, that, I don't buy that. If Chris McCullough showed anything, they would keep him. He's a cheap contract. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the the Wizards are going to be pretty full up next year in, in, in the front court, barring any moves. I mean, Morris, Porter, Gortat, Mahimi, Smith, Oubre, uh, all under contract. So what? You, he's a he's a young kid. If he's good, you if you if you think there's hope, you keep him. But okay. They did, if they are going to, in essence, let him go, or at least he's going to go into enter for unrestricted free agency next year. Sure, you can say, hey, they do have Young, they do have Robinson, they have some options there, but nonetheless, they're not extending Chris McCullough. Not a surprise, ultimately not a big deal, but just a reminder of just that uh, sort of a, a a lingering reminder of a trade that's ultimately going to be viewed not so favorably for the Wizards and maybe end up being even a little bit worse if Chris McCullough truly does nothing this year and walks away at the end of the year, having done very little. Uh, speaking of the no extensions or options not picked up, 
a couple of big names today from the 2014 class. Uh, Jaleel Okafor, the number, I was he the number three pick in that draft out of Duke, and Mario Hazonia, the number five pick in that draft by the Orlando Magic. Neither of those players had their options picked up. Now, Hazonia has been, uh, you know, he, he was intriguing as a rookie, but he's definitely faded off the last year or so, and not no 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 surprise that, that that Orlando is ready to move on from him. They they they've sort of bypassed him at this point in regards to their roster. You know, obviously they've been off to a pretty good start. Now Okafor is a far more complicated situation. Uh, you know, it's a classic case on some level of a guy who was born a decade too late. Uh, Jaleel Okafor, you know, ten twenty years ago when, when big man interior big man truly roamed the the world. You know. He's got all the offense in the world. His, his his rebounding and defense is definitely suspect, but he can score. The problem is now in the modern NBA, you know, he's he's not a like I said, he's not a huge, he's not a big rebounder, he's not a great defender, and his offense is, you know, while, while he looked pretty good against the Wizards at times this year, it just clearly has not impressed enough people. Certainly not the Sixers, who've moved on with a sort of Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Uh, Robert Covington, you know, front court, Marius, uh, Darius Saric as well. So, but 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 the Sixers haven't traded Okafor to this point. They they seemingly have been holding on. I guess they either can't find a deal they find interesting or what. But by declining their op- the option, it will save them some money next year, one or the other. Maybe that they trade him now. There's some. I saw some talk. I would think it was Mark Stein or the ESPN. Some talk about a potential buyout. But I bring all this up, not just to sort of mention a big name who's going to get bought out, but I bring this up on some level to go back to old friend of old friend of yours, Jan Vesely. Jan Vesely, a rare uh, a rare guy who who, uh, who whose option is uh, isn't picked up. Uh, a, a, a rare top, you know, a top a high lottery pick whose option isn't picked up. I don't know if I said this right before. Yeah, so McCullough 2015 draft, same with Okafor. Uh, Ernie Grunfeld obviously took a lot of grief and, and will for the rest of time over drafting Jan Vesely. Uh, you've heard me talk about this with Michael Lee last year as to why it went down and maybe why things went wrong and why we don't totally, didn't totally clobber Grunfeld the way um, others did. Although, look, ultimately you get, you get results are what they are. And Jan Vesely was out of the NBA at this point after his third year. Um, but, Every, so everybody clobber Grunfeld for that pick. I promise you, every single person listening to this podcast would have killed to take Jaleel Okafor third overall. He was considered to be the potential number one overall pick in that draft uh, at, at, at various points. Uh, if not the number two pick, the Lakers instead went with uh, D'Angelo Russell. He fell third. The, the, the Chris Topps Porzingis supposedly told Philadelphia he had no interest in signing there, and he wouldn't. So they went with Okafor instead. And I'm just saying that, again, it's not an excuse, but here's a team that took a guy that everybody would have said, oh, my God, yes, 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 get that guy, and he's going to be gone from them after two years, maybe three, depending on if they, if they trade him sooner than later or not or, or just buy him out completely hasn't worked out. I still was suspected if Okafor lands with maybe a, a, a lottery-bound team who's is given some minutes on the second unit to be a focal point of the offense, that he can maybe be something. Um, I wasn't particularly high on him at Duke, certainly recognized the offensive moves. Wasn't I don't know, he didn't blow me away uh, at Duke. But uh, nonetheless, you know, to go out this quick is stunning. But like I said, it's just to the point that 
these things do happen. And also, one other reminder, we're watching the Wizards right now get off to a good start. And again, that cornerstone of that team, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, all players picked by Ernie Grunfeld. We can sit here after the fact and say there were duh, obvious picks. Uh, Otto Porter, definitely not a, an obvious pick for everybody third overall. Bradley Beal was considered to be a top three player, but other there were others who wanted the Wizards to take uh, you know other bodies, Harrison Barnes. I mean, Deion Waiters went fourth, et cetera. And then, of course, John Wall. Yes, consensus number one pick, but there was a faction out there who liked Evan Turner. Not saying that it was a high, major, a high majority or anything like that, but some people out there, you know, you never know. You, you spin the, the lottery wheel, you land on a different GM. Who knows? Maybe he takes Evan Turner. Point is, mistakes do happen, but give credit where credit is due. And even if you think these picks were obvious, Jaleel Okafor is a pick that everybody thought was obvious, and that didn't work out for the Sixers. So something to keep in mind as I get on my Grunfeld soapbox once again. All right, uh, let's get to, before we wrap this up, let's get to the actual game. The Phoenix Suns are coming in town. And the Phoenix Suns are interesting because, first of all, they have no expectations, right? I mean, they are not considered to be a, a good team. They, 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 they haven't made the playoffs in a bit. And then on top of it, you know, a week, a few days into the season, they fire their head coach, Earl Watson. They tell their their starting point guard, Eric Bledsoe, to go sit at home. Bledsoe after, you know, famously had a tweet where he says, what did he say? I, I want out of here. And uh, Phoenix decided, you know what? That's cool. We'll try to trade you. But for now, you can just go sit in the corner, pound sand. And you know what? The, the, the Suns played on Tuesday at Brooklyn. They rallied to win that game. They were trailing by eight points midway through the fourth quarter, came back. I think they closed the game like a 24-8 run to win by uh, eight points, 122-114. That's their third win in four games since they changed coaches and since uh, Bledsoe sat down. Uh, Drew, uh, you know, if Bradley Beal isn't the best young wing shooting guard in the league, it might be Devin Booker uh, on the Suns. He had 32 points against Brooklyn. Uh, five three five of eight from three, eleven of twenty two from the field overall, seven rebounds, four assists, four turnovers in thirty five minutes. He's impressive. Uh, T.J. Warren, twenty points, fourteen in the fourth quarter. Uh, Tyson Chandler, he had uh like thirteen rebounds. The Suns, I don't understand how this number is. They out-rebounded Phoenix, uh, Brooklyn, I think it was like 66-44. to 44. I mean, that's crazy. Um, Mike James had uh, 24 points. You know, there's always some of these Mike James. I always want to make sure. Hold on. It's not the Mike James who was on the who was on the Wizards back in the day. No, different Mike James. But he had some points. So, look, this is a game the Wizards should win. Uh, by the way, Alex Len, former Terp, he had 15 rebounds. In the game. This is a game the Wizards should win. I don't think anybody's going to argue otherwise. Uh, coming in that first game, coming home from a long road trip is typically pretty dicey. At least my perception of these games, having watched them over the over the years, it, 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 that's the case. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, especially with Cleveland looming behind them. But on paper, if the Wizards come out, play focused do what they're supposed to do, treat them like they treated the Kings, you know, they should get this win and, and, and get it, you know, fairly comfortably, especially with, with Phoenix coming off a uh, a back-to-back. The Suns are not doing shoot-around tomorrow because they are getting in, you know, 
maybe they're in by now that I'm ta- at the moment I'm talking to you guys. But you know, nonetheless, Brooklyn's not a far flight, obviously. But nonetheless, um, you know, some travel. They get here, get ready for the next day, and when you have to play a team like the Wizards, that's going to be um, you know a tough challenge. By the way, I'm just looking at the box score for the Suns. Jared Dudley did not play in the game, so I'm curious to see where if he gets any minutes against his former team on Wednesday. So there you go. Wizards back in action at home against the Phoenix Suns. If you want to read my thoughts on their opening six games, you can go to uh, Fan Rag Sports, click on the NBA tab, or, or you know, look for the Wizards uh, tab. You should find it there. Uh, my, my thoughts on the four, sort of four things that have stood out to me so far some of what you guys heard me talk about the other day but nonetheless it's in written form yada yada uh so there's that uh plan of course to do a podcast after the game i will say that with game seven of the world series going on at that point uh, i don't know maybe uh, may have to duck out and watch the end of that game and figure out a way to do the podcast later but we'll get a podcast up one way or the other Thank you guys, as always, for listening. If you missed any of the other podcasts, go check them out on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. Uh, appreciate it. Best of luck uh, to, uh, I don't know which baseball, if you're rooting for the Dodgers or the Astros, best of luck. That is an, a tense situation. Game seven, all kinds of fun. Uh, I have no real dog in the fight. I've been sort of kind of pulling for the Astros, these playoffs, just because I had nobody else to root for. But uh, sure, why not? Uh, also, if you guys are at the game on Wednesday, you know, uh, come by. If you're, if you're, I don't know, if, you come by, if you're anywhere near Media Row, come by. Say hi to Todd Divis. He'll be sitting there next to me. He loves it when people come by and uh, say hi to him. Big fan. All right, let's end it there. Thanks as always, guys. I'll catch you later. And until next time, see ya. Everybody Deal gets open for three. Dagger. Long drive, long mountain shot. Dagger!